welcome to episode 165 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Oh, John, John. Ready to go, John. All right. It's good to hear. For our podcast this week, we're going to talk about augmented reality and the craze that is seizing the nation and, and the globe, really, which is Pokemon Go, of You missed course. my little joke there, didn't you, John? Yes, I did. You're too quick for me today. Oh, no, that wasn't my point. Anyway, <laughs> keep going, keep going. So for our listeners who are unfamiliar with this, uh, uh, which is really the, the first mega hit of the uh, what is soon to be, you know, the augmented reality game uh, industry, uh, Pokemon Go is the digital instantiation of what you may have seen, uh, you know, young children playing with, with the Pokemon cards. There's also a, uh, uh, a cartoon show, and it's basically these little creatures that you can, uh, quote, capture and train and evolve. And if you're using the, the cards, you can trade the cards, and you can, uh, as you're training, you can, uh, you know, fight other trainers, uh, things like that. The cartoon, of course, has been popular for a long time. Uh, and the trading cards as well. And, you know, what's interesting, obviously the the cartoon, these, you know, characters, creatures come alive and you actually, you know, the, the characters in the cartoon go out and, and, and capture the actual creatures. Uh, but now with your mobile phone plus this free application, you can now uh, go out uh, around your house, around your place of business, uh, when you're walking, when you're in public spaces, and you can, too, capture the uh, the virtual creatures that make up the Pokedex, which is the uh, universe of, of Pokemon, and, and the most famous being uh, the Pikachu, which is this yellow creature with a sort of lightning-like tail and, and pointy ears, very cute. Uh, so, so this is clearly aimed at the younger set, but it is also very popular with, uh, you know, casual gamers because it's, it's easy to pick up. The game is free. You can, I think, pay money for upgrades and things like that. So but it's for the young and the young at heart. That's, that's very good. I can see you're a marketer at heart. Uh, <laughs> God, so, no, don't say that. So there's, there's this uh, uh, universe of the Pokemon, which is overlaid onto your everyday reality. And when you go and capture a creature that say might be located, uh, uh, in a playground or, you know, perhaps on the, uh, doorstep to your, your business, uh, the software shows a little cartoon drawing on top of, you know, the, uh, the camera view, right? So you can see your, uh, uh, stairs going up to your place of business, and uh, lo and behold, there's a Pikachu sitting there, and, you know, I will throw the uh, Pokeball at it, and it will uh, 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 capture the Pikachu, and voila, you have uh, uh, now have a Pikachu to train. There are also places called Pokestops, uh, where you can get all kinds of other free stuff and, uh, you know, tie into marketing of uh, you know, other companies, you can see how McDonald's might be very interested in this. In fact, I think they are to have, um, you know, the, uh, all the pokey players, Pokemon players come and, uh, 
hang out at McDonald's for a while. And in fact, you know, lots of restaurants have been giving discounts if you're a certain level of trainer, like if you're a trainer level five, which is fairly easy to get, you know, you'll get 10% off and pizza. uh, There's uh, uh, a news story where a pizza place, uh, you know, is is making big, you know, doubling their uh, their revenues because of all the the pokey players show up. So, so that's what it is in a nutshell. I know way more about this uh, than I should, but that's because I have uh, some youngsters who are into it. And uh, by youngsters, you mean you? Oh yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and it was very important that it uh, be installed this weekend on my phone, um, and that and that and that we play. So, what's what's interesting about augmented reality is that. You know, like I said, it sort of brings the digital into your physical world and at least on screen represents that digital, uh, you know, uh, fairly nicely. And and so here's some of the good things that I noticed this weekend as I was, uh, you know, playing with my kids. Um, exercise. There's certain parameters where you are hunting for Pokemon where you must be, you know, walking to get them to hatch or some such. But, it, you know, like going to the park, going out, uh, taking a walk, going to new places, that's all incentivized behavior now because wherever we go, there might be new rare Pokemon. So the kids really want to get their legs moving. And, hey, you know, if you're going to be having screen time, you know, it, it's, all, it's, it's, you know, the, the additional exercise couldn't hurt. So I, I thought that was good. Uh, the family... Uh, Playtime could be oriented to that if you've got somewhat geeky dads like myself, um, you know that's easy. Um, and 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 there's also this uh, this sense of competition, right? Which you know I think can be healthy, you know, if if it's not taken too far. Um, and and the kids are are fired up about this. Mm-hmm. Of course, that can be also on the not so good side where people get obsessed with it and want to play it all the time. So, so, so those are some of the pluses and minuses that I've seen. Now, Dirk, I know you're not necessarily a player of this game, so what's your take on the augmented reality Pokemon Go craze? Well, it's certainly interesting. You know, we've, we've had over the last couple of years um, less so augmented reality, more virtual reality that has been bubbling up as an important technology. And even though I think it's still... You know, shambolic is too strong and cynical, but um, mediocre, let's say more fairly. Um, you know, people who are smart and important uh, see something in it, um, which I think I think it's overblown on one hand, but it's also a portend of technology to come. And so augmented reality as a technology has been more or less a dud over the years. It's It's existed, it's had some applications more commonly in a shopping context, but it hasn't it hasn't had sort of its its moment. And its moment is now, and I think its its moment is sort of bleeding into the the VR craze as well. I think one is sort of feeding the other. But I want to go back, you know, at the very beginning of, of your sort of lengthy overview on the topic, you referred to this as an industry. You said it's the first in the industry of things. And boy, that word stuck out to me because, you know, I'm thinking about like um, social gaming, for example. And, you know, when we first did... Um, the Digital Life, back in the early days, we had on um, Brenda Romero and Soren Johnson to talk about um, what then was the giant craze in social 
gaming, and that's when gamification was first becoming a term. And social games ran hot for a few years, and now they're ice cold, ice cold. You know, the the giant Facebook business models of social games, um, it was a technology that was new. It caught people's attention. People dove deeply into it. And then the novelty wore off, and with the novelty wearing off, so did the profits wear off for the companies that were that were, were trying to invest in that way. And this has a very similar stench to it from my perspective. Um, you know, it's it's very novel how the AR is working, and people are able to say, oh, there's the video game creature on my screen, you know, interposed over the, the real world behind it. Um, cool, good. Obviously, people are responding to that, but I, I don't know that I see it as an industry. I don't know that 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 leap for augmented reality is possible. So I'm interested to hear your take on it to sure. maybe convince me otherwise. So when I say the augmented reality industry, I'm not uh, purely talking about delivery via your smartphone, right? Or even via your tablet, um, which, you know, might be another uh, mobile device for you. Um, there's, you know, technology coming like the magic leap, uh, which is, uh, you know, sort of the combination of the the, the virtual reality uh, goggles, right? But you can see your surroundings. So I think I call uh, it a helmet, the virtual you, reality helmet. Yeah. So, but it rather than it being like this blind uh, uh, to reality piece that you're wearing on uh, on your on your head, it 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 superimposes uh, sort of high resolution. Um, you know, whether it's it's for gaming or other images uh, on top of your um, uh, your actual reality. So so I mean, from the perspective that, you know, there's this uh, broad spectrum of possible technologies for augmented reality, I actually think that's going to be um, maybe the winning technology isn't the, the, the right way to frame it. But um, I, I do see the usage for augmented reality to be ex- extremely, extremely uh, um, high and, and, you know, a lot of possible use cases. Another example, um, uh, Microsoft has their uh, HoloLens um, technology, which is, you know, uh, you know, from what I understand, not, nowhere near as good as what Magic Leap has. Um, but that's, uh, once again, an, another technology that could be used in a business context, in uh, you know, in healthcare, in uh, communication, in gaming, all of those things. Now, if we dial all that back and look at what it means that Pokemon Go is, you know, this fad casual, you know, it's a casual gaming hit. I mean, I think it's fair to say that these casual games that that invoke like the sort of barest minimum of augmented reality. Um, sure, that's probably a fad, just like the social games were on Facebook. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, a hint at the flavor of augmented reality to come and what it does do, um, you know, despite the sort of limited way in which it constructs the digital on top of the, the physical reality, what it is doing is creating all of these interesting forcing functions to get you to do things in the real world. Right. Mm -hmm. So I know that, you know, we went to the park this uh, this weekend to hunt for Pokemon. And that was not on, you know, that wasn't on the agenda to go and like 
stand around in the park. I mean, like we love going to the park and walking, but this time it was specifically that task, that activity was specifically tied to the game. So no matter how sort of weak or uh, um, low fidelity the augmented reality part is, um, it was still enough to get us to do something in, in the real world. But it sounds like you guys would do that anyway. Sure. I mean, and, and, and there, there are, of course, um, all these pokey stops, right? So I'm just waiting for us to go to some, you know, some places where we normally wouldn't go. The park was a, good, a nice excuse because it was familiar territory to us, um, and, and we might have gone there anyway. But um, there's, there's this interesting confluence of the digital and physical that, that happens somewhat rarely, um, I think, you know, you're either sort of absorbed in your digital life or you're in the real world and never the twain shall meet. Um, and augmented reality, really, the promise is or, you know, the threat is that you're grafting on the digital life onto your physical um, uh, physical being, which really reminds me of, you know, the first time I saw that was, of course, uh, in you know, the, the late 80s watching Terminator, right, for the first time. And you see that, you know, that shot where the Terminator gets all that info about uh, people sort of superimposed on top of them. And first off, that was like the coolest, you know, I thought that was just the coolest thing because, you know, I was a, a, a young kid at the time. But that's that's really part of the promise of augmented reality is the superimposition of information on your 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 physical world mm -hmm. um, and being able to leverage that information a little bit more uh, directly than, you know, via the screen. Yeah. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. You know, there's been a lot of uh, interesting stories. This has been such a phenomenon that a lot of interesting stories are sort of blossoming out of it, um, you know, from smaller stories like the stock price of um, companies that make extra batteries for smartphones are going way up because they, this these, this game sucks so much energy and everybody wants to play it. Constantly to, to more, uh, a little bit deeper stories, you know, one, one that I found very interesting was that it's easier for white and affluent people to get the, the things they want in the world than for minorities and lower income people because the way that they mapped, the way the company that made the game mapped the stuff was based on usage of past games that they've done, which are generally played and owned by higher income uh, more, um, you know, uh, more white, basically, um, people. And so now that Pokemon Go has become this big craze that is less for like a, um, this is an overstatement, but it's simple terms, a, a wealthy gaming elite. Now this is a game that everybody wants, but there's a lot less to be done and to be had in low-income neighborhoods because the, the databases are built on behavior from from the play of people who are more wealthy. And so interestingly, it's easy for wealthy people to get more out of the game than than low income people uh, because of the way that, that this was all built up. Yeah, I, I think there's some other factors involved in that, too. Um, from what I understand, there's it's a little easier to find the Pokemon creatures in around uh, highly populated areas versus out in the country, say. So I think there's also a just like a sheer numbers of, of people playing it uh, a factor there, too. 
The design for the game, the, the design for the databases began on usage around past games. So at the beginning, from the core of how the the rewards world was built, it was explicitly built around people who played games like this that weren't giant phenomenons. And so to a degree, the population density is shifting things a bit as the game continues to move on, but certainly the core of the game was built and populated in a way that gave preferential treatment unintentionally to the wealthy. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I guess my point with that is that it's it's in terms of the game being uh, uh, excluding certain areas. That's also true of less populated areas because there have been complaints that there isn't enough to do out in, you know, uh, out in the country uh, as opposed to closer to highly populated areas. So there's definitely areas of exclusion, you know, not just. Um, based on uh, sort of income level or race, but also geographic location, which take that as, you know, uh, maybe another artifact of their original database. Definitely. I mean, I think they might have benefited from a director of inclusion on their team to be thinking about these kind of issues. I, I'm of pretty sure that they did not have a clue that they were going to be this uh, this in demand this quickly. Sure, but that, that's also the... Um you know, that's also the blindness of privilege is to not try and account for those things, popularity aside. Yeah, I, there's there's um, somebody to look at the databases and say these are populated with um, these are populated in affluent white areas and just have that filter on and looking at things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's I think in this day and age, that's sort of a one on one level error. Sure. Yeah, there's it, there's an interesting uh, stage for the. Uh, Pokemon Go company because uh, it's attracting so much attention that uh, I think over the weekend they rolled it out at uh, 26 new new markets, new countries, and uh, whether it was because of so many new users or because uh, hackers, uh, uh, you know, had a de- denial of service attack right on their servers, it was really difficult to get on uh, this. Yes, yeah. well, it, it crashed for a while because yeah. I I know because we were checking, oh. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, Did the kids bash the phone on the ground for, in a frustrated? Um, no, we're we're not to the phone bashing uh, <laughs> uh, stage yet, fortunately. But uh, it 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 certainly was a phenomenon that swept through my household this weekend. So, you know, for good or for ill. The question is, you know, how long will the phenomenon keep hold? Um, you know, in six months, if we revisit this topic. What will the popularity of Pokemon Go be and or what will have come after it that um, approaches or equals or exceeds its popularity? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say what, what will drive this going forward. I, I, I imagine there's going to be uh, at least uh, a month or so of, of heightened Pokemon Go activity. Um, at, at that point, it's, it's probably a fad, I would think. And, uh, you know, either the next game will come along or, you know, the next augmented reality thing or just the next the uh, the next cultural event. Right. Yeah. It It has ceased to be just a game, though. It really is a cultural event at this point, which which is interesting because we don't have a lot of those cultural events now that are that are frankly that are positive. Right. Yeah. So there are a lot of positive things uh, about this game. 
And, you know, sometimes you feel that uh, around major sporting events, right? There is a feel-good uh, part to that, or the Olympics or, or something uh, of that nature. But as far as culture, positive cultural events go, this, this is not a bad one to have considering uh, what else is going on in the world. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 165 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. 